Are you at a career crossroads and thinking about what's next for you? For career change tips, stories and resources, sign up to our newsletter at whatshedidnext.com.au. Now, I've moved from kind of media and, and writing into sustainability business consulting. And yes, it was around about the time that I was turning 50, but a bit more, uh, menopause was kind of kicking in. And to be honest, I think this is a really common time for women to make a big career change, actually. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of What She Did Next. I'm your host, Jackie Uwe, and this is a podcast where I talk to women about their inspiring career changes. of more green jobs is opening up a whole new world of possibilities and for my guest today it's offered a chance to reskill to help protect the planet. Tamara Patellan had worked in the media for 25 years before her growing concern about the climate got her thinking about making a change. Around this time she was also starting to tire of endless magazine deadlines so when her best friend Erin suggested working together on a sustainability venture she decided to make the leap. As the COVID pandemic sent the world into lockdown and everyone turned to Zoom, Tamara threw herself into online study to learn as much as she could about the climate crisis and business sustainability. She and Erin have since gone on to launch Greener Matters, a consultancy that helps businesses become more sustainable and takes them through the B Corp certification process. Having worked with Tamara back in our magazine days, I was curious to find out how she made her career change from journalist to sustainability consultant and what it's been like to navigate that transition in her early 50s. She recently moved home to New Zealand after living in the UK. So please welcome from Christchurch, Tamara Patellan. I was thinking about how long we actually worked together quite a few years back now. I think it's actually 20 years, if you can believe it. I think, I think it is. Yeah, it was the early 2000s. It and was. Like it, it was my first magazine job, which is why it stands out so much. I was straight out of uni. I think I was like the junior writer and sub-editor. Yeah, I was yeah, trying to yeah. remember what your role was. Were you the lifestyle editor? Yeah, that was one of the titles, lifestyle editor. There was a couple of others. I can't remember what the others were, but they were that kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Okay. And you were a few years into your journalism career already by that stage. I'm much too. older than you, Jackie. Yes. <laughs> that was not what I was going to say. <laughs> More experienced and wise. Um, but yeah, can you, I guess, give us a bit of a snapshot of your media background and how you got your start? Yeah. Well, um, I started out as a daily newspaper journalist in Christchurch, New Zealand on the Christchurch Press. And then moved to London and worked on some magazines there. And then moved to Sydney, started working on B Magazine with you. And um, yeah, so went from financial magazines to women's glossy magazines in one fell swoop. <laughs> and then really just kind of then moved to Dubai after that. So just kind of just moved around the world and worked for different publications. Once I was in Dubai, moved into more digital media, started out in print magazines because that was always my love, print magazines, just Always going to have a soft spot for print mags. Um, but then moved into digital magazines and websites and that kind of thing and launched my own print magazine uh, while I was in Dubai, which was a really cool thing. And then from there, my I, I got married in Dubai and then my husband decided he needed to move back to the UK. So we did. Got another magazine job like I'd been doing for the last 20 odd whatever it is years. <laughs> and then just got to the point where it was just like, 
Yeah, not sure I can be really bothered anymore with magazines, deadlines. Yes, oh my goodness. And Mm. I mean, you were doing it for a long time. I mean, you had a very successful career over, I think it's 25 years. And as you say, it did take you all around the world. Like you must have sort of loved it for that period of time. But you did start to have a bit of a shift recently and you've made a pretty major career move around the time you turned 50, you mentioned, which you know a lot of people might think is not an easy thing to do. So can you tell us a bit about what was happening in your life and, and the change that you've made? Yeah, so no, I've moved from kind of media and, and writing into sustainability business consulting. And, and yes, it was around about the time that I was turning 50, but, but more, uh, menopause was kind of kicking in. And to be honest, I think this is a really common time for women to make a big career change, actually. If there's so many women in their 50s that, that start their own businesses or do something completely new. It's actually quite common because I think you do get to a point where, I don't know, if I don't, I don't know if you believe in energy. I mean, almost, almost all our yoga teachers, so we believe in energy, Jackie. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and you, and when you get to 49, your crown chakra opens up. This is where the whole wise woman thing comes from. Oh, right. So, um, yeah, because your life is divided into, in, in yogic philosophy, your life is divided into seven year stages and each of your seven major chakras kind of takes priority at a certain, at, in that seven year period. Right. So when you get to 49, it's your crown chakra. And, uh, that means you are, you become cleverer and wiser. Maybe not okay. cleverer, but, but wiser. Something so, um, to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's where it all comes, the, the whole wise woman thing comes from. And, um, and there is a, I don't know, I've seen it in a lot of other women, um, that are my age, they go through this kind of, they stop caring so much about what other people think or whether they're pleasing people. Cause I think that's a real woman's thing. Um, and there comes a point when they really just, and I think that's part of the change as it were. And anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing a bit, but, um, so you, yeah, you go out and you assess what you want to do for the next potentially 40, 45, 50 years of your life. And maybe it's not the thing you've been doing for the last 35 or whatever years. So, mm. and, and lockdown also kicked in at that time. And, and we were literally, I mean, I, I think Australia was similar, but the UK, we were basically imprisoned in our homes. We, there was like a good six months where we were allowed out for an hour a day to go walking in your neighborhood. And apart yeah. from that, you were supposed to stay home unless you were a key worker or something like that. Yeah. So my life went to into Zoom. I mean, God, who knew Zoom? I mean, it's I opened up so many, <laughs> so many new um, possibilities. It's really been quite the revelation in, in a lot of ways. So I had a lot of time and, and I've been kind of concerned about the climate and the fact that the world just seems to be going la, la, la about this, there's an emergency out there. There's really bad things happening right now, thanks to global warming. And nobody seems to be really taking it seriously. It's all, oh, let's be bothered about this other thing over here. Yeah. And I, and obviously COVID hasn't helped that either because no, it hasn't. very distracted with that. Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess in Australia, obviously, just before COVID hit, you know, we'd had that huge bushfire season. Yeah. And a billion was, animals, had, a billion oh animals burnt, burnt, burnt to death. I mean, yeah, just horrific. It, it had really brought, 
I think, the climate change issue back to the fore for that very brief <laughs> window mm. of time. I mean, it was a terrible time, obviously. I mean, you couldn't mm. breathe in some of the cities in Australia. But then, yeah, March that same year, in came COVID and everything kind of got forgotten once again. Mm. Um, okay, so you'd had this big transition in terms of, you know, physically going through menopause. Um, yeah. I guess the lockdowns had happened, your interest in climate change had really peaked. Um, yeah. I guess a lot of people sort of think about making a, a change, but you actually took that next step and did it. So was there a particular turning point or catalyst where you just, or a day moment where you just went, yep, yeah, I'm going to go for it? Yeah. It was one of my best friends, Aaron, in London. He was the one we were talking pretty much every day during lockdown, and, and he was like, oh, "We, I need to do." And he was also he's also from the media, but he's not even the worst side, the more salesy side. Right. And um, and uh, and he was like, "Yes, I'm going to do something. I'm going to. I've got this idea. I'm going to launch this thing, and I have no idea how it's going to work." And and I was like. Yeah, just something said to me, I need to do this with you. So I said, okay, let's, let's do this together because, um, we'll just work it out. Mm. We, had, we were clueless. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, sustainability, moving into that is a pretty big leap from the media world. Yeah. Um, I mean, where did you begin? Like, what were some of the key steps you took to make that change? Well, I went out and did some study. So Erin and I have kind of different skill sets. So for me, it was a case of, all right, I need to go and get a. I need to go and get a qualification. So I went off to the Institute of Environmental Management and something. Can't remember the name now. IEMA, <laughs> and um, got did their foundation course, which means you can have these letters after your name and call yourself a sustainability professional. And also did a really intense course with Cambridge University, well, the division of Cambridge University, their um, sustainable leadership division, and that that ate my life for. Right. Um, like oh, a good more than two months and um because it's just so intense and so much information so yeah did nothing else but that course for that, for that length of time and um and then there's been other things along the way and I, I I'm not stopping there's there's so much more to learn but um uh did a, a climate reality leadership training with Al Gore and his and his uh foundation okay and then until frankly before I started all this and I thought there was something to worry about and now I'm really sure there's something to worry about. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. I could have quite happily not known all that because, yeah, that's yeah. depressing. And why did you choose sort of the consultancy side? I mean, there's lots of ways you can get involved in the environment. Was there a particular reason you went um, with the business business consulting route? Yes, uh, yeah, it's a good question. Actually, there is a lot of other. I think that if the business world doesn't get on board, we have no hope. The business world is the engine of the economy, and it's the business world that has contributed most of the damage to the world, mm. to to social uh, justice as well as environmental justice. So business has to change, and it is happening. I don't, and we've kind of just created a system and a society that's naturally and innately uh, extractive and exploitative, and the the process of changing all that it's a it's a collective consciousness shift as well as a business shift, but ultimately we have to decarb decarbonize as quickly our economy as quickly as possible. So, what is it you actually do with the businesses? Like, what are you helping them? Yeah, with? we messed around with for trying to figure that out for a few months actually, um, trying to come up with a a way to help businesses 
turn their strategy to a more sustainable one. And then we came across, we'd already had come, we'd already knew it, but the B Corp movement. And, uh, so we, we more recently aligned ourselves with that because it just gives businesses an, not an easy roadmap, but an understandable roadmap. Okay. It's kind of like, it's kind of like sustainability kindergarten for businesses who don't have a clue. I don't, do you know the B Corp movement? Well, I had a quick read up of it last night, actually. I hadn't come okay. across it before. <laughs> but yeah, you'll see it everywhere it. now. Now, now that you know the logo, you'll start to see it everywhere. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a movement that is calling for businesses to be a force for good, to put in, in their articles association, so make legal changes to the articles of association of their business that they will, put profit and planet and people as equal priority. So no longer is profit the the driver. You know, the driver and and also the main um everything else is falls by the wayside as long as they're making profit. You have to also ideally not degrade the planet, but in a, even a better world, help restore the planet. Mm. So as part of your business operations. So this is, so, um, so we've aligned with B Corp and we have what we call our 10 step B Corp buddy program where we take businesses week by week through the process of kind of applying for B Corp certification and making the changes in their business that they need to make in order to become certified B Corps. Right. And so you studied, that was your first step to sort of make that shift across. But then did you have to, how did you get businesses, you know, on board with what you were doing? How did you start working with them? Yeah. Aaron's better at that kind of stuff. So, uh, he is more of the cold caller and the, and the reaching out guy. Um, we formed a couple of partnerships. So we, we've, we've become partners with a sustainable funding enterprise and they've decided because they're the, the you know, they're, they're the middlemen. They find the angel investors and the businesses and match them up, but they insist that the investors are ethical and that the businesses are sustainable. And they've decided they're going to any business that they agree to raise funds for has to go down the B Corp route. And in order for them to go down the B Corp route, they've got to come through that process with us, with me and Erin. And so we've got that partner who's kind of funneling their clients through us. And then we're also partnering with another agency who works with a whole load of mainly media companies, actually media agencies and media media related businesses. Mm-hmm. And again, they're kind of funneling this business to us under the banner of these businesses are looking for some guidance on sustainability and how to begin that journey because thousands of businesses do want to change what they're doing. They just don't know where to start. And that's what one of the reasons B Corp is, is, is a, is a is easy go to because it gives you a roadmap. It's not the only one by any stretch. There's many other ways to address this. It just happens to be, oh, here you go. Here's a blueprint. Just follow this and you're good to go. Yeah, and I even saw last night when I was looking, you know, there was a photographer in Australia who's gone down the B Corp route because she really wanted to be. So she's a sole trader. Like it's not even something necessarily that you have to be a big company because I think people have that idea in their minds. You know, you might be a big brand or whatever it is. But um, Yeah, no, you can just be a little startup, one person, two people. And it's even better sometimes when you're a startup because then you're setting the foundation stones of your business on a on a sustainable mindset and a sustainable strategy. Whereas if you've already been operating 10, 20 years, you've got to really change some stuff that's integrated into already into your culture, into the foundations of your business, which is mm. arguably more more difficult. 
So you mentioned that Erin brought certain skills to the partnership. And, you know, I guess when it comes to making a career change, we do talk a lot about transferable skills. For you, I guess it wasn't just learning about the sustainability side, but you are running a business. So there's entrepreneurial skills there. I mean, what skills would you say that you've brought from your old career or your, your past 25 years of working into your new career? Mainly um, writing, actually. Like I've had to write a, just on a piece of work for um, a, an organisation here, YMCA Brunel is the name of it. They they kind of were just beginning their sustainability strategy and so report writing, so going in there and seeing their organisation and visiting their sites and looking at where the the impact is, the negative and positive impact is, and then writing up a report is something that comes much easier to me than, say, Erin or, or a few other people. And I've also been hired to just do some sustainability ghostwriting, some blogging and articles and that kind of thing. Okay. Because, um, so content writing, um, mm. is becoming a bigger thing. And I think, um, having interviewed so many people over the years, I find it easy to like talk to new people. So I think that's probably a thing. Mm. No, well, that's, I think they're really interesting because, you know, one of the things that I think holds people back, women back from making a, a shift is they're really just uncertain about how to, um, you know, they might have this dream or something they really want to do, but they can't see how what they're doing now would ever be of interest to perhaps an employer in that space or, you know, they're starting their own thing, how they would position themselves as having any sort of legitimacy or even, you know, like it's, but I yeah. think the more that I talk to people, there are so many, sometimes unexpected skills or characteristics that you've um, gained from, you know, all of those years of experience that actually set you up really well for your next chapter. Well, certainly, no, you know, just when you are your own little startup, things like I've built so many websites now on so many different platforms having worked in, in on, so that's handy, you know, mm. knowing your way around, be it WordPress or Wix, you know, those kind of practical things, knowing where to find free images and knowing how to just create a few graphics and, and that kind of just small stuff, really. But mm. if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. And well, that leads nicely to my next question. I mean, what would you say has been the most useful strategy or tool that's helped you on your career change journey? I th- well, I don't know if it's called a tool or a, it's um, yeah, just the, the partnerships. And we're currently. I think understanding the power of tech is, um, is I think key to what we're doing. And so we're now looking at, we're partnering with somebody else and creating a tech platform that will support people on their sustainable strategy and this is, and their sustainable journey. Cause what we've kind of under, realized as well is that it's complicated to change the way you do business. And and it's also complicated to go through the B Corp journey and they want lots of things off you and lots of documents and things like that. And you can end up being, you know, death by Excel spreadsheet if you're not careful. <laughs> so moving all that into a tech platform is what we're looking at at the moment. Mm. Well, I think that's really interesting because, you know, I think another obstacle people might see is that they don't know how to do all the things and you don't have to know how to do all the things like it is like networking and finding those people that are interested in your space, but they can bring something new. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, if you go out, cause oh, we didn't have a clue, honestly, Jackie, we were clueless. (laughs) 
You just go out and you start somewhere. We The first four or five months, we completely wasted. Now, we see. We didn't realize we were wasting the time. It seemed we were doing great things at the time. Mm-hmm. Now we look back and realize we were wasting that time. But that was part of the process of getting to to where we did need to be. Do you see what I mean? So you, mm. you go out there and you, the main thing is you talk to people. You go to the networking events. You join those little groups that are in the realm of what you're doing. You go and ask people. And I think one of the biggest things is to realize that if you've got a question in your head, I know this is a, such a cliche, but oh my Lord, it's true. Then so does most other people. If you don't get it, then other people don't get it either. And just ask. And and people are also, they want to help you. Most yeah. people do want to help. They want to network. They want to connect. And we want to share resources. And that's also part of just getting back to the uh, sustainability shit. That is, that's, we, you know, in sustainability, we say we've got to, we're going to move out of co- um, competition and into collaboration. Because yes. other, otherwise, again, we don't have a future. Yeah. And what would you say has been the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome to make your career change? Generally, self-doubt, confusion about where to go, excuse me, and um, money. So both the kind of intangible doubts, oh, it's not going to work, oh, what are we doing? I think I'm just going to go back and get another, get a real job, so to speak. It's, it's, yeah, if you're starting out, I mean, doing a career change where you go and work for somebody else, I think maybe is different because you aren't, don't have that. If you're stopping what you have been doing and then mm. starting your own business and you don't know where the money's going to come from, that's tough. Mm. Well, how did you manage that? Cause like I've been surveying a number of women because we're looking at developing an online course this year and and the big question that keeps coming up for a lot of people is how to manage that financial transition so as Mm. you say you know it might you know and I think even if you are just shifting to a different space like not starting a business there can be I mean when I moved from magazines to the not-for-profit world you know over 10 years ago now I took a 30% pay cut for the first Mm. couple of years you know yeah Um, I went back to study for a period of time so I was just freelancing for a period so my income was reduced you know that there there is realistically for a lot of people there will be a period where you have to accept there might be reduced income or or you're paying Mm. for study so yeah how did you sort of plan for that or manage that yeah so there's a few things I think you can have a transition period where you you still work doing something just to get some money in for two or three days a week or you do something that brings some money in as a transition Mm -hmm. or in my case, we have a couple of spare bedrooms. We rented those out and um, I had an agreement with my husband that I would, that lodge money would be kind of my salary, so to speak, for okay. a little while. Yeah. So having a, a, a supportive partner can be really helpful. I mean, yeah, let's be realistic. If you've got a partner and he's earning a good wage, then that gives you a little bit of help. It does. Mm-hmm. And in my case, that was the case. Mm-hmm. So yay. Thank, thankfully. Um, <laughs> And uh, sorry, you did also mention, you know, a bit of self-doubt and things like that. Like I yeah. think that shift that shift in identity for a lot of women is a big one as well. Like working with businesses as a mm. sustainability consultant is very different to having worked in the media. So how did you navigate that shift in your own mind? And, and you know, have you sort of come up against people in your life that have had opinions about it perhaps? Everyone's been the, – the, the, all the doubt comes from me. Uh, everyone else is – 
wow, that's a great idea. Yep, that's good. Everyone, I've found everyone's been very supportive. So no one's really naysayed me because uh, I do such a great job of that myself. So um, <laughs> it's a, and, and I still do. So, but I think less now, but it's lessened over the last 18 months because now we're, we're having those conversations with clients. So it's start, it's gaining traction and I can see that it's going to work. But, you know, back uh, like 12 months ago, where we were just talking about it and we had no clients and we had didn't, there were some big self-doubt moments, some big what the hell am I doing moments. Yeah. Mm, but you just keep going. And I think you what you said going. earlier is right too, that you do just have to start because some people get paralyzed at that beginning planning stage of thinking they've got yeah. to have all the answers and they can't start until it's all perfect. But you don't know what you even need to know until you start. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you do sort of have to just dive in and be okay with the fact that you're going to be learning as you yeah. go. Um, and as you said, it is pretty early days for your consultancy and your new career. But what would you say has been the biggest lesson you've learned on the journey so far? Oh, gosh, it's been so many learnings. Goodness me. I think that the, again, it just comes down to getting out of your own way. It's like you get on the phone or get on the email and call some people and make some, they're not going to eat you. They're not going to, (laughs) nothing bad will happen if they don't want to talk to you. And also the realization that this, there is a demand out there. Cause that's the other thing as a, as a, I think an entrepreneur, sometimes you think, well, I think it's important, but what if nobody else does? What if nobody wants this, this amazing yes. thing I've got? So um, and in my case, I know this is not going to be for everyone, but in my case, that's where Aaron helped because he is having worked in sales his whole life and sold advertising. You know, he's just got that whole blag, that whole front <laughs> that uh, that I <laughs> don't have really. Yes. So, Well, it's a different yeah. style of or different type of communication skill really, isn't it? And I think yeah. for us with a journalism background, we're not necessarily used to having to sell ourselves. Yeah. It's more of a, a conversation of getting to know someone or, yeah. Know, but yeah, the sales sort of pitch or conversation is is quite a different skill set altogether. So yeah, it sounds yeah. like you've got a good balance there. And so what is next for you in your life and career? For me? Yes. Um, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm having to, not have to, we're, we're, so currently I'm living in the UK. We're moving to, uh, back to New Zealand in a couple of months. So right. I'm going to be, um, seeing what the New Zealand Australian business scene is doing and whether I can wow. help more businesses get on the B Corp road. Yeah, yeah. And as, and as well as that, I've got this other little business. We have a, a little collaborative online yoga studio that I started with some some uh, other yoga teachers so also just uh, trying to grow that as well so we're all about women making brave choices on this podcast and you've made some pretty brave leaps in your life and career so what would you say has been your bravest moment and how did you find the courage to go for it I don't feel, I don't want to take the wind out of your sails, but I don't feel like I've ever done anything particularly brave. Looking back, I can tell you the scariest moments. Um, so, I mean, I spent three months cycling around Ireland and there was some kind of sc- by myself. So that, that was right. a bit scary at times. Uh, when I arrived in London with a hundred pounds only and just a friend's couch to sleep on 
and no job or anything like that. That was pretty scary. And then when I, of that hundred pounds got down to 20 and I still didn't have a job, <laughs> that was pretty scary. Um, when I gave up, when I just moved to Dubai because somebody had offered me a job over the phone and I didn't know a single person in Dubai. Yeah. Just packing up my life in Australia, moving to Dubai because some bloke on the other end of a phone promised me a job. <laughs> that was scary. That's pretty brave. I mean, I think that's exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. You know, you've made these big, brave leaps to different countries and, you know, but what do you think's kind of pushed you forward each of those times? I think it's just, it's just life. You just want to go out there and experience new things and trust that it actually will work out and it always does. Mm. So, so go yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us find inspiration from other women. So who are some of the women that mm. you look to and, and who inspire you? Oh, my God. There is just like it's, uh, women, different women, uh, uh, like every day. There's just so many women. If we're talking about business women, then Anita Roddick, uh, Roddick the uh, the woman who founded The Body Shop, would be one. There's, I don't know, if you, have you heard of Cindy Gallup? She started Make Love, Not Porn. Oh, um, right. It's a it's a website. It's kind of like Facebook for sex. Oh, um, really? <laughs> look it up, Jackie. Look I it have up. Not heard of that. <laughs> so basically, she realised she was an older woman and um, she'd been married for ages, and and then she this split up, and then she she went back to the dating scene, and she was dating men a lot younger. So in that period of where she'd been married for twenty five years, and then she went back to dating, she realised something had happened. She, she was so, she was, she was like, why are all these men I'm dating expecting me to do these things in bed that just didn't <laughs> happen back in the day? And she realized it was the porn industry. The porn industry had kind of trained young, younger men right. to think that this was normal and, and all the rest. I won't go into detail. Mm. You can look on the website. And so anyway, <laughs> she created this. She wanted to sex to come back to being real and authentic. And so make love, not porn is a site where any anyone any couple can upload their sex tapes and um, oh, it's really? kind of like yeah wow okay yeah anyway so you know that's been that's been a really successful business for her. so that's yeah. just one <laughs> but um but yeah like I, like I say it was i feel like i hear about women every day that mm. just yes just this today i was listening there's a there's a paramedic a female paramedic in london who is sleeping on the streets of London every night to treat the homeless. Oh, wow. Just because she sees a need. That's amazing. Yeah. And if you could recommend one thing to watch, read or listen to for any aspiring career changes out there, what would you recommend? Okay. I'd have to go back to a good old favourite. I know this is, you're going to groan. But um, <laughs> The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. It's a oh, really yeah. good book. I'd watch. Yep. I'd, I'd have a read of that. There's also a book called uh, by Dr. Maureen Gaffney called "Your One Wild Precious Life," and she's yes. kind of talking about how to, you know, really, this is your one life, kids. Come on, <laughs> make it count. What do you want to do? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and the other two 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 things that come to mind. I don't know if you get Gaia. You probably do Gaia.com. It's kind of like the spiritual. Netflixy like style channel, okay. and there's a series on at the moment called um, "Changing Your Life Is Easy" with Marissa Peer, and she's right. this this hypnotherapist who's very good. And and finally, this is a little bit of an odd one, but I'm an absolute drag race fanatic. Love drag oh, yeah. race, 
And I think we're talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yeah, we're talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, we are, Jackie. Yes, we are. (laughs) And um, yeah, no, I'm I'm completely obsessed with it. And I think just as far as hearing some of the backstories of some of the contestants, some of the queens, and the and the the struggles they've had and what they've overcome to get where they Mm. are, that's that's inspiring as well Mm. as very entertaining. I love it. Okay, that's a good gamut of options there for people to dip their toe in. And lastly, if you could offer one tip to someone listening who's really feeling in need of a change, but maybe Mm. they don't know if they're making the right decision or they're not even sure what else is out there for them, Mm, what's mm, your mm, best mm. tip for them? Okay, I'm going to go back to my yogic roots here and I take some some time out. Go and do a 10-day silent Vipassana retreat, meditation retreat. Go and fly to India and do a month's yoga, take time out and get yourself out of your normal environment and give yourself the thinking space. I, I find it in your, in, your, in your usual churn, your usual thing, it's hard to find the brain oxygen, if you know what I mean, to, yeah. to, 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 to see anything different. Yeah. And there's nothing like getting out of your environment. Go tr- even if okay. So don't want to do yoga. You don't want to be silent for ten days. Then just go somewhere and yeah. get out of your normal environment. And and maybe even journal. I know again, groan. But but seriously, you've just got to have a really good long hard conversation with yourself. And mm-hmm. that might take. It might not take half a day. You might need to go away for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, I think that break. Is key. I mean, I think that's why they're saying, you know, you would have heard the term about the great resignation that everyone's talking about as a result of COVID. And that's partly been because people have had this complete, well, not a break necessarily from working, but having such a a break from regular life. And some women talk about having that with maternity leave. Like there's all sorts of ways you can either enforce a break or have a natural break in your life. And that does give you that brain space and the perspective, I guess, to really think about what else is out there and, and how happy yeah. are you and yeah okay well I love that thank you so much Tamara we are at the end of our chat but I really thank appreciate you so you much it's well, been a joy thank <laughs> you Jackie I appreciate it that was Tamara Patelan, director and co-founder of Greener Matters which you can find at greenermatters.com if you enjoyed this conversation we'd love if you could share the link with a friend or leave us a kind review. And if you'd like to stay in touch, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at What She Did Next Podcast. Or subscribe to our newsletter at whatshedidnext.com.au. What She Did Next is produced and hosted by me, Jackie Uwe. Our associate producer is Catherine Cavill. And this podcast is made on Darrawal Country. Thanks for listening.